Hey, good morning, Munchtropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Oh, I left it up. Sup, bitches? I'm back. Uh, it's been two weeks I haven't been here. I missed the show. I missed it. My dog is trying to get me. Welcome to Logged It. Uh, I'm really excited for this episode. Animated villains. Uh, there's lots to talk about here. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, I like animated villains. Shocking, I know. Uh, we got a great panel for you tonight. As always, we got Mr. Boatman here. Boatman, how are you doing? I'm happy that I'm not lead hosting this week. Fair. Uh, Payson, you're here. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a few weeks since I was on, but I this is one of my favorite shows to be on, and I'm excited to be back. And Brooklyn, you are back on the program. How are you, sir? I am back. You have you you had me at animated. I um, it's sad. Yeah, surprising fact. I also like animated films. Um, so I'm I'm excited for the potential takes or potential picks I can bring up because they're it's going to be fun. Yeah, and Joseph, welcome to the program. You are back as well. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. I was very happy to, the last time I was here, to pick all of the movies, or almost all the movies that I picked were movies that Boatman hadn't seen. That was pretty cool. Uh, that won't be the case this week because it's animation, but it'll be fun regardless. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to kick it off with the way we always kick off the show, which is talking about uh, our favorite movie that we logged this week. So, uh, Payson, why don't we kick it off with you? What you got? Yeah, you know, uh, I think I'm going to do a rewatch. Uh, one I actually rewatched today. It's uh, one of my favorite movies of all time from the director I've talked about. It's Magnolia. Uh, I love this movie. I love it with all my heart. Um, in case you didn't, people didn't know, Magnolia, it's literally just about people in L.A., they're all interconnected through all these coincidences and it's sort of just about broken people trying to find like humanity again in a way um this could be my favorite cast of all time and i think every single actor is giving performance, like some of the best performances of their careers um um tom cruise is probably my favorite performance i know it's a cliche to say but i think phil baker hall is incredible um jason robart's monologue to uh 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 phil the character played by philip seymour hoffman about how he lost the love of his life and how that was the biggest mistake i think is incredible um just from the opening montage with amy man's one i think is um amazing and then i, I know the scene doesn't work for everyone but like one of my favorite like pieces of of licensed music in a movie is the wise up scene. I think that scene is really beautiful, and I just love just like not and I get that like those themes don't work for everyone. I don't know what's going on, but those themes really, really work for me. And if you told me, hey, pick your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film, this is definitely my favorite one, and it's one that I would consider to be one of my favorite movies of all time. 
Uh, yeah, I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I've actually only seen this one once, though. Um, I got to see it in the theater in 2019, 2018, somewhere in there. Don't remember what year it was. It was after Phantom Thread. Uh, so I don't remember when I think it was 2018 though. Um, and I loved it. I think this movie's awesome. Um, like I said, I've been, I've been wanting to rewatch it. Um, like I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I haven't revisited many of his films other than Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love. Um, but I'm excited because, uh, I, I'm going to go through all of his movies again, pretty soon here with the Blu-ray release of Licorice Pizza in a few weeks. So, uh, very excited to rewatch it. Big fan, Boatman. Uh yeah, no, I'm I'm Team Magnolia is good. Um, not everyone is, but I'm I'm Team Magnolia is really good. Um, I like, I I'm a sucker for weaving storylines. I love the wise up scene, uh, and I I just really like a lot of these characters and storylines. Most of them, really. I love Cruz. I love John. I think John C. Riley is like such a dork in this and it's great like he is like so like just kind of sad and funny i think you know what that's one of those characters that pta is just always able to do really well it's just characters who are both kind of sad and kind of funny uh and yeah i i like i i like this movie i'm team magnolia is really good brooklyn uh, I haven't gotten around to Magnolia, but Paul Thomas Anderson is a is a dope director. Uh, Her and Eighth is is incredible. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, the flying fr- like the raining frogs thing has always been. As I think I think there's always been a thing that's like uh, there's other things we need to check out first. And also, Magnolia has has one of the greatest micro impressions in, in this community. Uh, Boatman as Jeremy Paul Adams, uh, revealing that the answer to a question is Magnolia might be my favorite micro micro impression. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. I do not know what you're talking about. Referring. Remember when we would do the after show? Yeah. And we would play like the the multiplex dating game or the match game or oh whatever. yeah yeah yeah. And I would do my Jeremy Adams oh, impression. You have a really good yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did not know. I I'll have to go back and find that. That sounds sounds like something I've probably seen. Uh, Joseph Magnolia. I like Magnolia. Um, I think that most of the actors are really solid. I do really like I do really like John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise. I. Am not the biggest fan of Julianne Moore in this movie. She kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I feel like her crying scenes are not that good, or at least definitely pale in comparison to Tom Cruise's last scene or one of his last scenes. Uh, but I do really like it for a three-hour movie. I think the movie goes by really, really well. It's uh, I still like There Will Be Blood more, but I do really like Magnolia. I'm Team Four Magnolia. Yes. Team for Magnolia. Uh, okay, so let's move over to Boatman. Why don't you go next? Hey, uh, my favorite movie I watched this week. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a movie I watched last night, actually. Uh, and I'm going with The Great Dictator. Uh, the Great Dictator, uh, Charlie Chaplin. 
man, did I love the heck out of this. I I was on, like, the only thing I had really seen from The Great Dictors, I had seen the Hinkle stuff, and I some of the Hinkle stuff, and I had seen the big speech at the end, because I think most people have seen that big speech at the end. But what I kind of loved about this movie is, like, how much this movie clearly, like, still shows the reality of what hap- what's happening, but for a lot of it feels like a, a satire you know it's a, it's a goofy comedy it's just when you know what it's satirizing it's very dark um and that kind of dichotomy between the two is just really interesting i and i one of my favorite parts of the movie uh was the the hinkle stuff uh specifically hinkle and their uh mussolini equivalent uh not napoleone uh, played by Jack Oakey. That their little rivalry back and forth is one of the funniest things you'll ever, ever see. There's there's a particular gag where they're both on barber chairs and they both want to be taller than the other when they're talking. So they keep raising the barber chairs up like back and forth every conversation to the point where they're like both at the ceiling. Just a lot of great visual comedy. Uh, I. I totally get why Chaplin was nominated for this. He's giving a fantastic dual performance. I love dual performances. I really dig this movie. Uh, to the shock of no one, I have not seen this. Uh, it sounds interesting. Sounds like something I would probably enjoy, but have not seen it. Uh, Payson. Uh, I have not seen this either. I also don't own the Criterion Blu-ray of this one, because if I did, I would have gone to grab it. But it sounds very, very good. Uh, Brooklyn. I uh, have not seen it, but it's obviously like important. Like when you're talking about like, like the satire of the event, like we probably don't get like life is Be- life is beautiful or um, oh my god, the fucking Taika Waititi one. Um, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit. Probably don't get that one either. Okay, uh, Joseph. So this one spec in high school. I'm pretty sure it was 2014, and I really liked it. That. Final speech is one of the best scenes of all time. Uh, some of the some of the comedy gets a little repetitive, but I'll, there's a lot to like in this movie. It, it's kind of funny. I saw this with my dad, and he studied he has studied German. And when uh, Adenoid Hinkle is giving one of his big speeches, uh, my dad starts laughing, and uh, he uh, even though the even though. Hinkle is like the parody of Hitler. My dad starts laughing and then he explains to me and my mom, who's also watching at the time, she didn't finish, I don't think. But anyway, uh, he was explaining, he's just listing off German foods. And uh, yeah, with such conviction to imitate Hitler at the time. Very bold satire. And I really like it. Spatzel is the greatest German food. Don't at me. I'm going to at you. Uh, Okay, so... Uh, I will go next. Uh, I watched a lot of weird stuff this week. I don't know. A lot of random stuff. Nothing like uh, in particular really jumped out to me until, uh, bless you. Bless you. Until uh, I rewatched a movie I hadn't seen since it came out. Really enjoyed it. Laughed my ass off. Had a good time. The Macaw enjoyed it too, I think. Rewatched Juno. Uh, like I said, haven't, haven't seen this since it came out. 
but I forgot just like how consistently entertaining this movie is from start to finish. Got a really uh, a great script, uh, but the performances are all really on point. Like I think Elliot Page is like very very good at this movie. Um, Michael Sarah is also like this is like the perfect role for Michael Sarah, and he's doing exactly like what you need out of that character in this movie and all of the supporting performances like Allison Janney is obviously she's funny and everything but she's very funny like has a couple one-liners in this that are awesome when they're at the uh OBGYN and they're getting like the ultrasound uh and Allison Janney just like rips that technician like a new asshole it's so funny um and there's just a lot of heart to it. Like the relationship between Juno and uh, is it Bleak? Bleaker? Is that his name? Oh, Bleaker. Ma- Maggie's giving me the nod. Uh, their relationship is just like really like genuine and it doesn't come off. It comes off very real and genuine. Like the two of them ha- uh, have a lot of great chemistry and just like the moments like towards the end where Juno goes uh, and like tells Bleaker about how they're the one that put all of like the tic tacs in the mailbox and stuff like all that all that's really really cute and good and the the emotional beats at the end when the baby is actually born everything it's really well done um also uh it i love jason bateman in like everything and he's so good at just being kind of like a douche in this movie um and i love that and jennifer gardner is also a treasure we should we should treasure her at all at all moments of every day uh so yeah i really i really wound up loving this rewatch um i like i said i hadn't seen it in a very long time but i think this is probably my favorite of jason reitman's movies um i have i've only seen up in the air once so i know that's the one that a lot of people really gravitate towards i've only seen it once so i need to give that a rewatch but um i loved i loved rewatching this one uh bowman uh yeah i'm team thank you for smoking on the oh, jason okay. reitman scale uh, but I, I think his first three movies are all fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I love Juno. Uh, Elliot Page is great. Uh, Michael Sarah, I, I'm me, so of course I love Michael Sarah doing Michael Sarah things. Like that's just that vibes with me. Uh, and I'm with you. The Allison Janney scene, uh, specific, like. I just love the line of, and I'm a nail technician, so I think we should both stick to what we know. Like, that's such a great moment. I love Allison Jan. Like, this is just a, a movie with Boatman actors. Like, Michael Sarah, Allison Janney, J.K. Simmons, even Jason Bateman. Like, that's just, this is just a Boatman movie, and I enjoy it. Honest Blog? Huh? Honest Blog? That's, that's a line from the movie. Oh. There you go. Uh, Payson. Yeah, so I'll admit Jason Reitman as a director, I need to get more into. I've only seen his last three films, so I've yet to see Juno, but everything that people have said about it makes it sound very good. Brooklyn. I have not gotten around to this. And Joseph. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember enjoying it. I think Elliot Pitch was really great in, her, in the role. His, uh, and also... Um, there were some dialogues in there that was that like a little weird, but I was not, I had not seen a lot of core, independent quirky stuff in it. So that was like one of my first exposures to it. And uh, I enjoyed it, but I've also been hesitant to 
uh, go back to it because of the or because of different things I've heard from people say that it feels like it's a little too quirky for its own sake. But I enjoyed it when it was when, when, last time I saw it. All right. Um, okay, let's move over to Brooklyn. Your turn. All right, so I guarantee this is a movie that none of you have seen and nobody in the chat has seen because uh, this is a uh, this is a 2021 movie made in PEI. Uh, it's called A Small Fortune. Um, yeah, so it was, it was on IMDb. It comes up in 2021, but it got it actually got a theatrical release um, here this year, and with hopes that it's going to get um, like more and more um, in Canada at least. But um, this is a psychological kind of thriller, I guess, in a way. Um, it's set in um, set in Skinner's Pond, um, PEI. Um, but it's there's this couple. Uh, this guy is a is an Irish moss farmer, um, and they're and how it's kind of how it kind of opens. They're in this conflict of whether or not they stay here or whether or not they go they go out west. So there's a lot of commentary on like the kind of the island way the island way of living. Um, there's a lot of imagery or symbolism, I guess, to like. Um, to like a like kind of Acadianness and um, and all, all those things and whatnot. Um, the performance to go back that people will go back for in this is um, is William is the late William McFadden. He plays um, he plays like a bait a bait person called Homer. He's the person that kind of buys the boss off of uh, um, off of the main off the main character. Um, basically, what happens is one time whenever he's whenever he's collecting boss, uh, he finds this large sum of money. Um, and it's a matter of like, do I keep it? Um, do I keep it? Do I tell? Do I tell anybody? What do I do? Um, so it kind of has. It kind of goes. Kind of delves down. Delves down that path. Um, and then, like one of the subplots is there's a new cop that is joining. That is joining the scene. Um, and she initially. Um, she initially tries to give somebody a ticket. Uh, for like, I think it's like they're using their ATVs on a on a on a non on a not okay part. But then one of the locals comes in. That's like, well, you just gotta get to know know the people. Um, but yeah, uh, always love to try to push island movies. Um, this and Poker Beach. Yeah, never heard of this until I saw you log it. Um, so uh, sounds interesting. Anybody else? I get like Brooklyn said. Any of us have seen it? Doubt. Nope. Okay. Uh, well, thank you uh, for shedding some light on it, Brooklyn. Uh, Joseph, why don't we go over to you? Your favorite movie you logged this week? Uh, my favorite movie I logged this week was Beverly Hills Cop. This movie I watched for the first time uh, this past week, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, for a an eighties comedy that uh, for, for for a movie that came out in a time where eighties comedies could be like hit or miss, this one was very very thoroughly entertaining. Eddie Murphy kills his role as Axel Foley. He's just a very cool character, but also kind of uh, un. Uh, I was gonna say unhinged, but now that I think about it, I don't think he's always unhinged. But uh, I think he has a lot of great one-liners, and he has a lot of great chemistry with all the characters on screen. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I've actually never seen this. This is one of my blind spots. Um, I've been told that I would love it. I think Cody really likes this movie. Um, but uh, He gave it three and a half stars saying it was overhyped on Letterboxd. Oh, okay, so maybe not. I don't know who I'm thinking about. Somebody in the community told me I would really like this. So it might have been me. It, that's possible. Um, 
yeah, I, I've I've wanted to watch it. I just haven't gotten there yet. But there's only two of them, right? There's or is, are there three? three? There are three. Okay, I'll get there eventually. Uh, Bowman, and they were all directed by three different people. Yeah, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I've always said is like just a really good hamburger and fries. Right, it's not doing anything particularly new or fancy or flashy. It's just like a really good popcorn movie. Like it's a perfect just action comedy, right? Like just kind of the perfect, like you got the snarky detective who plays by his own rules and cracks one-liners instead of being serious, and that annoys all the people around him. And of course you got stick in the mud Judge Reinhold. Like it's a very cliche you've seen it a thousand times before movie but it's like the best version of all of those cliches uh just the the cliches it's it's so watchable it's just an incredibly watchable movie eddie murphy is just having the time of, of its life in this he's he like 80s in particular eddie murphy just the dude was able to translate to, from SNL to film so well. His persona just works so well in film. And he he's just a world-class comedic talent, if we're being honest. Um, and he's phenomenal in this. And I do really like Judge Reinhold in this. I think uh, Judge Reinhold's just kind of a perfect comedic stick in the mud. Uh, yeah, and the soundtrack. I'm not just talking about the, the main theme. Like, there's a lot of really good songs in this I'm a big stir it up guy. I love stir it up. Uh, yeah, um, I think what Bowman said is completely correct. Like, I don't think this movie would be nearly as remembered as fondly if it didn't have Eddie Murphy in the main cast. Just he has so much energy as the character of Axel Foley, and he really brings that character to life. It's been a minute since I rewatched it. I want to rewatch it again, but uh. One of my favorite memories with this movie is the first time I tried to watch it was when I was 14 and my brother was 11 and we were having a family movie night and my mom was like, hey, let's watch Beverly Hills Cop. We made it five minutes. And she was like, nope. <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, have, I've seen like bits and pieces of it on TV. I'm kind of hesitant, I guess, to go check it out. Um, and I'm not sure if I like Bowman is talking about like, like the cliche, like the kind of the cliches and whatnot, because I there's a lot of 80s tropes that I don't enjoy. Um, but you're right, though. Eddie Murphy is fucking unreal in the 80s. Uh, SNL, movies, his stand-up is some of the best. All right. All right, we're going to move over to uh, our least favorite movie that we logged this week. Payson, we will start with you. Yes. Uh, I watched a movie called uh, Limits of Control, uh, directed by Jim Jarmusch. And I got to say, this is one of the most boring movies I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, quick synopsis, uh, Isaac De Bencoli, I hope I pronounced that right, he plays an assassin, he gets a job to, uh, go take out a target in Spain, that's about the entirety, the entire plot of the movie, and you're watching about an hour and 50 minutes of him going through Spain, living out the same day over and over, the same routine, he gets up, does some yoga, gets some coffee, meets someone, and goes back to his apartment. Uh, that can work for some movies, just that whole routine, like getting a monotonous. Uh, didn't work for this one with me. Uh, I'll admit, it's pretty. it has a lot of pretty shots, but yeah, this movie, I was not a fan of it. I doubt many people have seen it, but uh, I would say stay away from this one. It's it's not very good. Have not seen it. Bowman? Okay. Uh, I have not either. Yeah. 
Uh, Brooklyn. Have not seen it. And Joseph. Have not seen it. All right, fair enough. Uh, Boatman, let's go to you. What's your least favorite movie along this week? Uh, yeah, this is. I, I didn't watch anything awful this week. This is just one I, I, ha- I, I want to talk about it. I watched Secrets of Dumbledore this week, uh, and I think that this is the best Fantastic Beast movie. But I'm not a Fantastic Beasts guy, so like, I like. I don't like the first one. I hate Crimes of Grindelwald. So do with that what you will. I think there's a lot of really good things here. Like, I I think they fix a lot of the problems about Crimes of Grindelwald in this without getting into spoilers. Like, this movie solves a lot of my biggest issues with Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, And also, like, Max Mickelson's really good. Um, I need to look up the actress who plays her, but uh, Jessica Williams plays uh, a character named Hicks. And she is my new favorite character in the Fantastic Beast movies. She's basically like, what if you had like a 30s screwball comedy character in the Wizarding World? Like she's very much doing like a Catherine Hepburn bringing up baby. And that's just so much fun. Like I really enjoyed that character. Um, And yeah, Mickelson is great. And I actually really like the climax. Climax is a lot of fun. But it's the movie gets weirdly convoluted. Like this, they like this movie just has a lot happening, and not all of it is really explained. And it's just kind of things, and you don't really care about the end goal because is the movie just doesn't make a lot of things clear. And I think that's because you can kind of tell things were kind of shifted around. This very much feels like a salvage movie that they was probably supposed to go into a different direction. It's not an awful time, but I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. Yeah, I didn't hate this one. Um, I I agree with Boatman. It's still the it's the best of the three, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a great movie. I gave it a three out of five when I logged it. Um, I'm 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 a Potter nerd, so I'm probably going to go see it again uh, just to kind of cement how I feel about it. But you're um, not in fandom anymore. What's not in fandom anymore? You're not in fandom anymore. Oh, no, I know, but I, I'm a big fan of the series, so I gotta go. Um, but, I mean, there are things, the things I liked about it, um, once again, the best part of all three of these movies are the actual beasts. Like, the new beasts here, the chillin'. Cute as fuck. We stand the chillin'. Um, big fan of the... Uh, of the Niffler and the bow truckle as always. And even the whole crab scene that they've shown in like a ton of the trailers, I thought was really great. Arguably one of the best scenes in the, in the movie, if not the best scene, that whole like gulag scene, I think is, is really entertaining. Um, I loved Mads Mikkelsen. Um, I don't want to get into the whole, like, should he, or shouldn't he have with Johnny Depp? I like Johnny Depp as an actor. I didn't think he was a great Grindelwald. I think that Mads Mikkelsen is very good. Um, and I like what they're starting to get to with Jude Law and Mads Mikkelsen. I think I think this is a better step in the right direction to make the finale of the next two movies great. I think if they keep going in this direction we could have a great story there are just some plot stuff that like boatman said don't make a ton of sense 
um specifically i don't think this is a spoiler because it's like a huge part of the movie but there's basically like an overall like wizarding world like government organization like it's basically like the un for the wizarding world and that has never been brought up ever <laughs> and all of a sudden we're just bringing it up in this prequel and now that like where the fuck were they when Voldemort was like, killing and murdering people like what the fuck uh, so unless that's explained in the next two movies that maybe they dissolved or something like I don't know um, but it was rough realizing like hmm either these people suck at their jobs or this is a massive plot hole uh, so there was that but I mean overall I would recommend it for people who really, really love Harry Potter and were disappointed by the last two. I think this is a step in the right direction and has some entertaining stuff. Um, Crimes of Grindelwald, literally, I had no reaction to it at all. Like, I sat in the theater and was just like, the whole time. Like, nothing out of me the whole time until the end. Um, And... This one, I got, I had many, like, I was laughing. I had a couple, like, holy shit moments. So, and also, there were plot threads that I hated in Crimes of Grindelwald that I think they actually righted the ship pretty well in this one. There's something that, like, obviously, like, you probably know what I'm talking about, but a big thing from Crimes of Grindelwald, I thought they handled in a way in this one that I actually very much liked and was worried about. Um, It kind of did what I think, uh, Rise of Skywalker was attempting to do to the Last Jedi haters, even though I like the Last Jedi. This did it better, a lot better. Uh, so, um, again, not a great movie. Definitely not an abomination of a movie either. It's just like, eh. I I I think this this sets it up for good stuff to come. Uh, Payson, uh, I have yet to see it. I'm actually seeing it tonight. My expectations are kind of low, but I guess we'll see what happens. But I got to say, it's really nice that uh, Johnny Depp is no longer in these movies, because that means we have no more problematic cast members in the cast of these movies. Don't even get me started. Uh, Brooklyn, (laughs) you're muted. I'm actually confused as to who you're talking about. He's talking about Ezra Miller. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, I haven't seen this movie. I haven't seen any of the Fantastic Beast movies. I stopped at Deathly Hallows Part 2, and I was like, cool, this is a great place to end. And I remember seeing the trailer for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. And it's like, God damn it. They're just going to milk this cash cow fucking dry. Um, and yeah. Uh, Joseph. Have not seen a single Harry Potter or uh, Wizarding Fantastic Beasts film since The Crimes of Grindelwald. And honestly. <laughs> they haven't made one since. <laughs> this is the next one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen oh, a was... Star Trek movie since Beyond. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to go next. Um, uh, I have to like... Man. No, actually, Brooklyn, you go. I, I, haven't, I haven't decided yet. All right. So I am going with Hillbilly Elgie. Uh, a movie that I guarantee everybody has seen, or uh, like a good chunk of you have seen. Um, I had to watch this for a theft. I was catching up on some Oscar bets. Um, what was it? I'm sorry, I missed it. What was it? Hillbilly uh, Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy. Okay. 
Yeah. It's like it's not like it's not dog shit awful, but there's some yikes-ish kind of things in here. Um the accents are very jarring as a like as a Canadian and not I'm not like a fully acclimated to those like deep southern ones or like the Ohio, I guess yeah, I guess the Ohio accents. Um there's some relationships in here that are very kind of thin, like in Adams and Glenn Close, they should have like they kind of they briefly talk about that for two seconds and then they just go back to like Amy Adams kind of being a piece of shit mom. Um the oh the the fucking hall scene where she's tripping out on something um and then she's just kind of on roll yeah on rollerblades. Um and it's just it's weird. Um and yeah um it's like another one of those movies about uh, about addiction, I guess, and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, just it's not not great. Yeah, I watched this when it came out. Um, I I thought it was okay. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I thought it was pretty by the numbers. Um, so I I didn't really have a big reaction to it. It's a lot of people yelling for two hours, if I remember correctly. Um, and I thought the main performance from like the kid as an adult version was like kind of rough uh glenn close was good she wore him out of makeup if i remember correctly so yeah i don't know meh boatman this this is shouting the movie it's a lot of yell acting and we're all very yelly and i really want to win the oscar because i'm glenn close and i'm Adi adams and we haven't won oscars yet please give us oscars they're not really the problem with the movie, but it is kind of funny, like, how much... I actually think Glenn Close is doing something decent with this. Don't know if she should have been nominated, but she's doing something decent here. I think the movie itself, though, is, like, so whiny and woe is me, and everyone is a cartoon. Like, I know, I'm not saying, like, woe is me in the sense of, obviously, someone dealing with addiction is, like, that's very serious. But there are other moments that just feel like so cartoon. Specifically the moment where a character is at a dinner table uh, talking with people who are not from where he's from. Yeah. And right. that oh, yeah. feels he like super fucking a cartoon. That scene feels like it was just straight out of a Disney Channel movie. You you want to call Coda a Disney Channel movie? No. Coda was great. Hillbilly Elegy is a Disney Channel movie. Payson. Uh, every time someone describes this to me, this seems like the epitome of Hollywood being out of touch with certain parts of the world in a way, and it's just one that I've never gotten to. Maybe one day. Uh, Joseph, did you see it? Thank you for reminding me, Boldman, about something that I've been hating about some haters of CODA recently, about that Disney Channel thing. It's eye-rolling, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I watched this last year, it came. It did something at the Oscars, which I honestly did not expect to happen. Since uh, who was the last one? Amy Irving with uh, Yentl being nom- getting a nomination for both a Oscar and a Razzie acting award. Honestly, I didn't think it would be possible anymore, but Glenn Close did it this time. Jared Leto was close, maybe to doing yeah. it this year. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's there. There's a lot of yelling. I don't remember too much about it. 
Probably for the best, though. Okay. Uh, all right. I've made my choice. Uh, I am going with um, a 2016 film. I guess I could have typed it in since I like had it up. I could have been more prepared. Um, I remember seeing the trailers for this and being like, "Ooh, I should, uh, I should watch the first one because this is a sequel." So I did. I bought the first one and I thought, "Hey, it was all right. Like pretty standard action movie fare. Can't wait to go see the sequel." And I never did. Until this week, when I watched Jason Statham in Mechanic <gasps> Resurrection. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, Tim. Mechanic Resurrection. Well, that's a shitty movie. Did you did you illegally download it? No. <laughs> Tim, did you did you go to a your local video store and rent it? No. Well, Tim, did you go on Vudu and rent it for maybe like three dollars? No. I bought the 4K Blu-ray <laughs> and I watched Mechanic Resurrection uh, on my 75-inch TV. And uh, it was glorious uh, in all the wrong ways. Uh, this is bad. Uh, Jason Statham falls in love with Jessica Alba in like a night. And then they have like the worst edited sex scene I think I've ever seen in a film. And then all of a sudden some guy comes up and is like, we're going to steal your girl and we're going to kill her unless you do these tasks for us. You got to infiltrate a prison and kill this guy. And then you got to go to this like tower and kill this guy. And then you got to go do this thing. And like, I don't know, man, it was all just rough. Like it was bad. There's a scene where the poster for the movie is him like climbing this tower uh, and it like Mission Impossible 4 Ghost Protocol style, like he's like climbing the tower, the side of the building, because this dude is swimming in a pool that like over, like that like goes over the building. It's really fucking weird. And he like cuts a hole in the pool and it turns into like a fucking like whirlpool and the dude falls through the crack and out the building and it's like a CGI green screen like the dude falling like, I'm just like what are we doing here? Like, when this came out, it's 2016. They probably made this thing for, like, $5 million and made, like, two at the box office. And then my chump ass comes up here and buys 4K Blu-ray for 15 bucks. Like, a goddamn lunatic. You spent 15 US I don't remember how much it was. I can find out while you guys are talking. But uh, if I'm being honest, the first one actually isn't that bad. It's kind of fun. Uh, but this one was not good uh boatman i'm sure you've seen this oh yeah this is a real boatman movie here <laughs> love me some jason statham in the mechanic or mechanic resurrection big big fan of mechanic jason uh i remember when this movie came out it came out the same weekend as ben hur 2016 that i went to go That's see that the strings if i'm not mistaken yeah uh i believe so yes uh, Ben-Hur also sucked. This sounds like it sucks, but from the way you're describing it, I think I made the wrong choice. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Uh, Brooklyn. I haven't seen this, but I, I've seen, I saw the mechanic in theaters. And if you scroll through my Facebook long enough, you will find a 
grade 12 Brooklyn declaring that The Mechanic is the best movie of 2011. <laughs> um, in January of 2011, at that, but uh, but yeah, uh, Joseph. Uh, to answer your question, Tim, about the box office that this movie earned uh, in U.S. and Canada, according to IMDb, it grossed 21.2 million dollars. Probably made its budget back. That's fair. That's fair. Worldwide, it made almost 126 million worldwide. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you out of the United States and Canada, sons of bitches. You spent a hundred million dollars on mechanic resurrection? What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh Brooklyn. No, we already went to you. Joseph, what is your least favorite movie along this week? So against my better judgment, I am doing two watch challenges in 2022. There's the video store challenge. And there's the feature presentation productions. What? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I was doing a bit. You're good. Go ahead, Dustin. Uh, one of the challenges in the feature presentation productions challenge was to watch a film, a non-James Bond film starring an actor who played James Bond. Oh, and God. Did you watch Red House? The movie that I watched was a Pierce Brosnan sci-fi movie called The Lawnmower Man. Oh, okay. It's from 1992, and this movie is a relic. It should be seen by aspiring film visual effects artists on how not to make visual effects in a movie. This movie came out the year after Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And it sets back visual effects artists in film by about 15 years. This movie's about a man who mows lawns, and he is mentally challenged. So Pierce Brosnan plays a scientist who wants to do some tests on him. He is testing with visual, with virtual reality. And he is giving the man tests on how to do things better and increase, give him more information to improve his IQ. And things spiral out of control and more experimentation with the visual effects and virtual reality go crazy. And there are some weird, really weird visual effects in this movie. You could just look up images on Google or whatever search engine you want for for this movie and look at some of the scenes in this movie it is so bizarre it's based on a stephen king work in name only apparently they deviated so far in they just they just scrapped stephen king's story they just used the title and created their own story to the point where stephen king sued them to have his name removed on the based on stephen king's lawnmower man just have the lawnmower man he didn't want his name Damn. anywhere near that thing yeah it's not good yeah i've only heard bad things about this so this will probably uh not be something i ever watch um but uh yeah i, I maybe if i'm really drunk maybe but even then like <laughs> I, if I'm really drunk watching a movie, it means Maggie's probably also really drunk watching it with me. 
And if we're going to be really drunk watching a movie, I'd rather watch like Fast Nine. This would be this would one. be a great movie to watch uh, drunk to make fun of because it is wild and insanely bad. It's entertaining at points. Damn. Anybody else have seen this? No. Joseph, it's, is this why there was a lawnmower man question last night on something different? Maybe. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, you were mentioning search engines, and I'll tell you what, if Ask Jeeves is still around, like the fourth greatest search engine ever, uh, then I'll then I'll try and find lawnmower man. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that's gonna do it for the opening of the show. Let's get into our list. Uh, we're talking about animated villains. Uh, so these are characters in animated films that are villainous. Shocking, I know. Uh, so when you give your choice, please give me the name of the character and the film they are from uh, so that I can put that in the list. So, uh, Payson, why don't you kick us off? What's your first pick? Yes, uh, my first pick, I'm going to be going into the Disney route. I'm going with my favorite Disney villain, that being Judge Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, I love Frollo as a villain. He always just, compared to a lot of the other Disney villains, like even today, he still just feels like menacing. And I know like there's something about like, oh, he's just like this regular like man. But at the same time, he has like this like will of power over like people and he likes to impose that on them. Just that first scene where, like, he's about to drop Quasimodo in the well, and he's like, no, I can't, because even though, like, he's obviously an evil guy, he still uses his faith in a way to, like, justify it. So he's like, I can't just kill a baby. And then just watching as he gets older, as Quasimodo gets older, how just, like, a lot of his insecurities has probably been just, like, been put down on him because Frollo just is constantly just making him feel like a monster and just telling him, like, no one is going to like you. And then, um, of course, like, even though he views himself as such, like, this, like, man of high principles, he's a dirty old man. Like, he sees Esmeralda, and he's like, I want to be with her. And she's like, no. And he's like, well, if I can't be with you, you're going to die. And that obviously culminates in one of the best Disney songs in Hellfire, which everyone even people that don't really like hunchback notre dame they cannot deny how good of a song and how good of a moment the hellfire song is and yeah that's why judge frollo is the my first choice okay um i like this movie um i don't love it like a lot of people do i think that like i don't know like i remember seeing it as a kid because this is what I did as a child uh, was watch Disney movies over and over again. Uh, and it, this one never like really broke into the rotation. Um, I remember my sister, Emily really liked it, uh, which, you know, says a lot, uh, but I just, I don't know. It never, this one never like super worked for me big um, as an adult. I like it more than I did as a kid. Um, and I think the character is really interesting. Um, I just don't love the movie as a whole. Um, so good pick, not one I would have gone with, but totally understandable. Uh, Bowman. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to pick this. No one else was, uh, just one of those dark Disney villains, dark animated villains of just a really fan fascinating character of this is a person who basically 
believes he is doing the right thing. And it's kind of this interesting story of what happens when you decide who your enemies are and you basically decide that you can remove every other moral code to in order to beat the people who you perceive as your enemies. And I think that's just a really fascinating, like, psychological character study. Like, I think Frollo is, like, a really fascinating character like like on the level of like honestly like just some of these kind of tragic like Shakespearean characters or you look at like even like Javert just like really fascinating layered villains I I think ja uh, Frollo is such like a really well written character um Brooklyn um, yeah, um, I agree with Tim, but I also agree with Bowman. Um, Hunchback and Notre Dame did not get into my rotation of like of all the '90s kind of Disney movies, but I agree with Bowman in that it's a really good character because you think about like you think about ones that are probably going to get mentioned. They have a lot of a lot of charisma, and they're like in a sense they're likable. But with Judge Frollo, it's like he's very like cold and like and goal and goal driven. Um, and sometimes you sometimes you need that like straightforward kind of performance. I think that's what makes it work. Uh, Joseph, uh, I saw a lot of Disney movies as a kid over and over and over again. This is not one of them. As a kid, I thought this movie was very dark and. For the longest time, I I actually don't remember ever finishing it as a kid. That's how badly I was scarred, so to speak, about it. Uh, but I eventually watched it. Again. I eventually watched it in full later as an adult. And like Tim, when I grow when I grew older, I did like it more on rewatch. Uh, but the one thing that I did remember being very impressed by, even as a kid, was Josh Claude Frollo as a villain. He's such a his the villainous things that he does in this movie are like a little more uh they're just much darker than what i'm than what i was used to seeing in disney movies in general and hellfire is arguably the best disney villain song maybe arguably but uh yeah great pick i would have also wanted to get this on the list Maggie's having a coughing fit. No, the, the, the dog is the dog is very nervous. Uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna go next. Um, you know, I I could do the Tim thing and like throw Randall from Monsters Inc. out there, but I'm not gonna do that. Uh, but I am gonna stay in the realm of Disney, just not Disney animation. I am I am going over to Pixar. I'm gonna pick a more recent one. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ernesto de la Cruz from Coco. I didn't put Coco on the thing, but Coco is the film. Uh, I was when I was thinking about like which ones I wanted to go with, like obviously all the big ones like came to mind, like a lot of the '90s Disney villains, which I'm sure we'll talk about a couple more. Um, but this was one that kind of like I didn't think of at first, and then once I thought about it, I was like, no, he's fucking so evil and villainous in like a very human way that makes this movie like like definitely helps create the emotional beat of the movie like because you start the movie and you if you're looking at the movie through the eyes of miguel like you 
love Ernesto de la Cruz. The mission of the movie is to get to Ernesto de la Cruz. And then, spoiler alert, Ernesto de la Cruz is a fucking asshole and uh, tries to throw a kid off a fucking ledge. Uh, he poisons uh, his best friend uh, and steals all of his work. Um, he's a dick. And uh, I think that he helps create some of the big emotional moments of the movie because if he wasn't such an asshole, we wouldn't have those moments. Um, but I thought he was just like a super underrated um, villain because Disney Disney does that thing now where they've been like, um, and they, they, this isn't just a Disney animation. This is also a Pixar thing, like I'm saying with Coco. Um, but they do a lot of the stuff now where it's like the villains kind of take like the back seat. Uh, whereas like in the 90s and like the 2000s, like villains were like, very prominent in the stories all the way through um so he's only like a big part of the movie in like a physical sense towards the end uh but i think it works really really well and it's pulled off really well um and just to top it all off i've talked about this movie excuse me a lot on the show and on other stuff i love the movie as a whole I think it's great, um, but the the twist with uh, De La Cruz, I think, is is really earned because there's lots of these movies like you you go into Encanto and everyone's saying not to talk about Bruno. Well, you know, Bruno is probably not actually that bad of a guy because you can see, it. Uh, and that happens a lot with these with these Disney movies is you can kind of see the twists coming. Uh, I I remember seeing this in the theater and being very surprised. Like, wow, did not that one kind of came out of left field. Uh, and so I dug it. I, I love the movie. I love the twist. I think it's really well done. So, uh, Boatman. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would necessarily put this on here, but th this is an interesting pick. I'm, I love Coco. Don't get me wrong. I think Coco is a great movie. I think part of the problem is like, he's not in this movie a lot. And I'm also just not a big fan. I feel like lately Disney and Pixar have both been doing a lot of like, the twist villains lately and i'm just kind of sick of it because just let us have a villain throughout the whole movie so we can actually get like an interesting villain who we know is a villain we can actually learn more about him rather than doing these kind of twist villains where oh it's a good guy and then for like the last 20 30 minutes of the movie we know they're a villain payson yeah uh i think this is a really good pick um yeah, technically he's not in the movie for, like, super long, but the moments he is in the movie, man, you want to punch this guy. Like, he is just a straight asshole. Like, he's almost like the animated version of Bob Kane, the creator of Batman, that kind of, like, took credit from the other guy that created Batman. And I think that's really, like, kind of like a interesting comparison. But, yeah, just wanting to kill this kid, just taking credit for everything. He's voiced by Benjamin Bratt, like... What else, like, what is there to like about this guy? Like, it's a really good pick. Do we not like Benjamin Bratt? I mean, it was a Catwoman, so. That's fair. Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Tim, in that the twist, the twist, like, on first viewing was very, was very surprising. Um, I disagree, though, that, like, he's not, like, in the movie a bunch, um, because he's very much idol, he's very much idolized, and I think it, I think that twist fits, because it kind of fits in the mantra of, like, oh, don't meet your heroes, because your heroes are often going to be douchebag, like, they're not going to be all what, be all what you seem. Um, his, like, 
death or whatever is also really is I think it's really really cool how they have like the bell and like come like come down and whatnot. But uh, but no, solid choice. Uh, Joseph. Yeah, uh, this movie is on uh, this movie for me and Inside Out are some of are the two best movies that Pixar has done in the past decade. And I think this movie has a really strong emotional core that happens at the end. And I also appreciated how they handled the twist, Ernesto de la Cruz. And um, I also was very surprised about the twist when I saw it in the theater. Uh, but basically what Bobin said, we need more Mother Gothel, less Prince Hans, villains that we know are villains from the start so that we don't have to be annoyed when they try to throw a twist villain out there again. So, yeah, I agree with that. And good pick. Not my not my favorite Pixar villain, but it's a good pick. His full name is Prince Hans of the Southern Isles, Joseph. Please get it right. Uh, okay, gotcha. uh, let's, let's go to uh, Boatman for your first pick. Uh, my first pick... I'm going with uh, a great Disney villain because this is a Disney villain who just wants to get things done quickly, right? We can't, you sign, we kiss, we schmooze, we go home. Come on, we all need to go home happy. It's Hades. I love Hades from Hercules. Hades is my favorite part of Hercules. Uh, this is this is just such a fun take on the villain, right? Because you, you think Hades, you look at that design. What do you think that voice is going to sound like? What do you think this character is going to behave right like right you think he's going to be all yelly and evil and there are some yelly moments right but i love how he's just kind of like a sleazy lawyer or salesman like that's just such a fun take on this character and i mean james woods is just doing a phenomenal job voicing this character uh and i and i love just how like his main mood is just annoyed with everybody he's just ticked off like we talk about we talk about you know funny disney villain motivations like with maleficent but really like obviously while there were seeds planted earlier i love that the thing that sets hades off in this movie is zeus just kind of making a cheesy joke about him <laughs> just be like work yourself to death and that's just when hades is like yep I'm gonna kill this guy. Like that's so great. Uh Hades is just a lot of fun. He gets some of the best one-liners in the movie. He's a guy. Like uh I love I, I love Hades is my favorite thing about her. Uh I'm gonna break some hearts here, everybody. I've said it before. I, I've said it again. I, I'm not the biggest Hercules fan. Um I love the first 30 minutes. And then I don't love the last hour. Uh, I, I I don't know. It's never connected with me. I agree, though, that Hades is awesome. Uh, great villain. Great pick. I was expecting it to come. So uh, the movie itself, though, like after he becomes Hercules, Hercules, basically after he fights the Hydra, I'm just not into it anymore. I don't know what it is. Uh, Meg's song slaps, but everything else about the end of the movie just not a big fan uh but everything before that love it big fan of hades and uh excuse me jesus and uh i am a big fan of jesus but also uh james woods as a, as a big fan uh payson yeah hades is absolutely the best part of this movie um i just love how 
just we have a Disney villain that's just like a just straight like asshole. Like, yes, he's menacing. Yes, he has this plot. But like, he generally just loves to annoy people. And just like, he's one of the few Disney villains I could legit see like doing cocaine. And I kind of love that. Um, <laughs> but like, get, get, can't you get to see that? Like, Hades just does coke on the side. But yeah, like, there are the jokes you can make about like, Oh, James was great about playing an asshole, but he really is, and like that adds to the layer of the character. So I think this is a very, very good pick. Brooklyn, <laughs> yeah, him doing coke might be a little bit interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, I I agree with I agree with Boatman and that that Salizi kind of delivery works, and especially like because you have like the gods and like Zeus is a very like loud sort of booming booming voice, but then. Uh, but then, yeah, James Woods is sort of quick, quick, quick whipped, or yeah, quick witted, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, um, I have a special kind of spot for Hercules. It's how I, how I kind of got into the community. Uh, there used to be a show called Subway Soundtracks, and me and uh, former fandom champion Robert Parker uh, broke down broke down the soundtrack of this with somebody we don't talk about. I don't think Robert's ever seen this movie. Maggie, no. Has Robert ever seen Hercules? Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> Joseph. I'm kidding, Joseph. Uh, a few months, several months ago, I watched a James Woods movie for trivia called The Hard Way, and one thing that I noticed, one thing that I couldn't help but feel is that James Woods shouts a lot, and in other film clips of other movies that I've seen, and other movies that I've seen, he tends to raise his voice a lot. I couldn't help but thinking. He's such a hothead. It makes sense why people cast him as Hercules for this movie. Um, but I, I get it because he has the flame. He's good. He's good. Joseph, but they casted him as. Yeah, I knew it, T man. You're good, Joseph. Yeah, I, I then, see, look. If I would have said that, Joseph would have been like, no, I, "I know." Calm it. down. It, it's okay, uh, Joseph. Anything to add, or we, we Joseph? Uh, not really. Great Fair pick, enough. though. Fair enough. Uh, Joseph, why don't we stick with you and get your pick? Okay, uh, straying a little bit from Disney. Thank you. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, I hope Nick Tuig doesn't get letterboxed anytime soon so that he doesn't have to comment about how bad Miss Tweety from Chicken Run is as a villain from this movie. Uh, she terrifies me as a villain because of how she uses chickens for pies. <laughs> is that your pick? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love Chicken Run. This movie and it did yeah. me. So many times as again, I watched over and over again, and Miss Tweety is terrifying to me. Just her obsessiveness with getting the chicken, using the chickens for pies. I'm repeating myself, but 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 yeah, she gradually gets more insane, and then she has this giant machine that that creates the pies, and it's uh, really really crazy, but really really great villain, very terrifying. That's my pick. Let's get some stop motion in there. I fucking love this movie, and everyone hates it, and I fucking love it, and it's amazing. I picked it as that deep cut for that match, and it was the greatest thing I've ever done because it came up 
three fucking times. I don't even care that I missed one of the questions. I made Thomas Scully and Nick Tuig in a title match answer three fucking <laughs> It was the greatest night of my life. No, this this one is very much a uh, nostalgia hit for me. Um, I watched this so much uh, as a kid. This came out when I was like five, six, six, uh, and saw it in the theater. Loved it. Uh, I I just I was immediately attached to it. I had the VHS, watched it a ton, and then hadn't seen it in probably about 10 years and then watched it again for trivia and it was a, it was incredible i've seen it probably four or five times in the last couple of years because of trivia and i think the humor is hilarious all the characters are great um and yeah i think this is a great villain pick she's terrible to those fucking chickens now if you look at the human side of things She's not doing anything wrong. She's a fucking farmer who's who's fucking farming chickens. That's what you do. That's how it works. I'm sorry. Uh, but in the sense of the movie, absolutely great villain. Um, the Can I just say, I also, I also, I just wanted to say, I also watched this over and over on, on VHS. I did not go to the theater to see it, but I did watch it over and over and over on VHS whenever I went to my great aunt's house because that oh. that was one of the only movies that she had that I was allowed to watch. It's a it's a chef's kiss of a movie. Love the villain, Mister Tweety is also an MVP. Big fan of Mister Tweety, uh, but yeah, this is this is a great pick. I didn't. This never even crossed my mind, and that ashamed me. I'm 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 shamed. Uh, damn. Yeah, love this, Joseph. Fantastic. Boatman. You're muted. Good buddy. The best thing about this movie is not even a part of the movie itself. It's when you watch this movie as a kid. And then, years later, you're like, oh, I want to watch some war movies. And you watch, like, The Great Escape, and you watch Flag 17, and you realize there are, like, direct and indirect references <laughs> to those movies in Chicken Run. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I would have Miss Tweety on here. She, I'll give you, if this is most terrifying villains, sure, I'll give you that. I like a little bit more complexity in my villains, but this is fair. She is absolutely terrifying. Uh, Payson. Yeah, uh, Miss Tweety's a bitch. And, like, that's kind of what makes the movie, like, good in a way. Like, no, 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 she's, she's, she's an absolute She's a bitch. bitch. Yeah, like, she's she's a word that I'm not going to say, but Bill Cariola might use. But, yeah, she, she, she's kind of awful. Um, even, even though, like, she is just, like, a farmer in a way, like, just the joy she gets in just, like, decapitating these chickens, there is something, like, diabolical in that. But, yeah, like... The scene where she pulls out, like, the shuriken-level knife that she's going to use to, like, dice the chickens is, like, even now as, like, an adult, I'm like, damn, that's that's some sick shit. But, yeah, Joseph, this is a really good pick. I wasn't thinking about it, but it's funny. Um, I did consider Miss Tweety for a little bit. She fucking slaps. Um, very menacing. Not, like, if you're we if you're we going back to this movie, it's making chicken pies, I think, is the, like, the most, or, like, the, the least sustainable thing. Like, just, just kill them and sell them as whole chickens. Because um, you have to cook the chickens, and then you have to make the pie dough, and making pie is fucking tough. Um, but, yeah, no, great choice. Okay. 
uh, Brooklyn, your pick. Um. All right. Let's go with the. Uh, let's go with the out of left field pick. Um. South Park, bigger, longer on cost is a great movie. Um, and there's a bunch of different villains that you could go in this route. You could go with Saddam Hussein. You could go with the devil. You could go with Kyle's mom, who is a bitch. But if we're talking about villains that kind of set everything off, um, Canada, Canada, like Canada in general, Canadians are the villain um, yes. in that movie. Terrence and Philip um, with asses on fire. Because um, the conflict in that is like, what, like, our kids shouldn't be watching these movies. Is it well? Take better care. Take better care of your kids. And then there's the war and that. The Canadians bomb the ball. The Canadians bomb the Baldwin's. They have that moment. Um, they have that moment. I think it's like in either UN or like Parliament where where they're joking about like a boost. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then also the great song of of, of, of blame Canada was also kind of in, into that consideration. Um, but in terms of just like making. Fun of a country and sort of like egging them on in that in that way and just how Canadians in general are portrayed if they have like they don't have like the chin or whatever so they go they go back and forth it's very silly um but it's fucking it's fucking great I was wasn't sure which villain to pick but I was like the like the more that I thought about it Canada Canada in general is like the ones that are kind of like they kind of push along the plot of the movie God, this is a shocking pick. I am I am genuinely shook that the man who hails from Canada is picking Canada as a great villain in an animated film. Uh, this movie never crossed my mind either. I, I rewatched this back in like November, December for an Antle match with Cody, and he hated it. Hated his life. I had a blast. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, for a good three or four days after I watched this movie, I kept calling Maggie an uncle fucker, and she was, you're fine. And she's just, <laughs> just so confused. She has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, but the movie's funny. Uh, yeah, blame Canada. I mean, yeah, it's not the best song in the movie, but it's a good one. Uh, I'm a fan of the MK song. Yeah, it's usually MK. That's yeah, probably my favorite. It's pretty good. Brian Resistance. Best song. Also very uh, good. That's what Brian Poitano would do. Uh, yeah, so good shit. Uh, Bowman. I, I, I think that this is a weird pick if you're going to pick a South Park villain. Because Canada is not really a character, I th- and if in this conflict, Kyle's mom is absolutely the actual villain here. But even then, if I was going to pick a villain from this movie, I would go Saddam Hussein. Because like, dude, gaslight Satan, Bad. like literally, like which is weird. <laughs> like basically, just is in like an abusive relationship with Satan, which is in and of itself just a ridiculous plot point. But like. Saddam Saddam Hussein in this movie is like definitely like the most evil character, which is weird because this movie has Satan in it. Payson. So Taylor just snapped me after this pick was made. She's like, wow, you must really love this pick. And yes, I do, Brooklyn. We are on the same boat. <laughs> uh, anyone that knows me knows that I have an issue with a certain country. That is the one up north called Canada. Uh, not really. It's just fun to 
poke jokes at them. But no, this is a very, very inspired choice. Um, they involuntarily just, like you said, just kick off all the events. Even though, like, if I were to make a pick for this movie, Kyle's mom probably would be the choice. I just love just throwing an entire country out of on, under the bus. And you of all people are the one that could get away with it the most. So I applaud you, Brooklyn. <laughs> all right. Uh, Joseph. Never seen it. Although I have heard the question, what is the name of the movie that the, the South Park kids go to more than once? Ass is a fire. That's true. That's accurate. Uh, okay. Uh, I will go next. We're going to go out of order. We're, I'm, I'm shaking things up. Uh, I lost the banners. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go next. I'm going to just string it right back over to uh, Disney and Pixar uh, because I, you know, have problems um so i'm gonna i was trying to decide between two characters from the same franchise um ultimately i had to dig deep into my soul and decide uh which one i wanted to go with uh which one i thought was the better villain ultimately i chose lotso over over sid um uh, the reason I and, or and Stinky Pete, but to me it was between Lotso and said Gabby Gabby not in the running, even though Toy Story Four is perfect. Um, but here's the deal: um, I just really like Lotso as a villain because this is a twist that you see coming a mile away. Um, that Lotso is actually an asshole; like you can see it coming the moment you meet him. Um, but the backstory to Lotso is so well done sid is just a dick sid is that kid from every we all knew a sid at school who was just an asshole and wanted to blow up his toys lotso has a very real reason for why he's such a dick and it works really well in the context of the movie um and even to the point where you think he might be redeemed Woody being the awesome character, inspiration that he is. Maggie doesn't like Woody, so I have to yell at her. Every day. Oh. Uh, goes back to like save Lotso when they're about to go into the incinerator, and Lotso still fucks them over uh, and ends up in on the front of a garbage truck. It, it, it's it, he's such an, a pure villain from beginning to end, as far as like Pixar goes. Um, He's one of my favorite villains. Toy Story 3 is is actually my least favorite of the franchise. Um, it, it, it's my fourth favorite in the series. Two is my favorite, then four, then one, and then this. Um, but yeah, I know, Joseph, I have some hot takes. Um, but Lotso is probably my favorite villain from the bunch, um, just because I think they do the backstory and everything really, really well. Um, so yeah, Lotso. Uh, Bowman. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. For me, this character was just way too similar to Stinky Pete to really like love. I I've just always kind of felt like Lotso is just Stinky Pete less like just too basically like not bad, but it just it it never felt like anything new. I've never been that big of a fan of Lotso. He's actually like one of my least favorite things about Toy Story three. Honestly, he might be like one of the reasons why Toy Story three is my least favorite Toy Story movie. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of this pick, to be honest. Um, yeah. Well, I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Payson. 
I do think Bowen does bring on an interesting thing where I do think I am with you, Tim. Toy Story 3 is probably my least favorite Toy Story movie, mainly because I think it's just they're just redoing a lot of things from Toy Story 2. But with that said, I do think the Lotso story is kind of an improvement over Sneaky Pete just because of how well they expand on it. And just that whole backstory with what, what what's what's the clown fucker that they talk with? Yeah, yeah, chuckle. Um, um, just how just like how menacing that backstory feels in a way like it shouldn't, but like you really feel like how angry that character feels. And like we talk about the whole like villain twist with like Pixar characters. It helps that this one gets it out of the way very early. Like yeah. it, you know the character for like five minutes, and then you're like, yeah, no, he's an asshole. Um, and then just, yeah, great way for that character to, uh, end at the end. Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I considered all three of the villains to, to, to bring up. I probably lean towards Stinky Pete just cause I, I, I can't get Sideshow Bob on here for Kelsey Grammer. So the Kelsey Grammer, that would have been the, the route I would have went, but lots of really cool. Like that Southern draw, I think works really well. Cause it's very, it's very welcoming. Um, yeah. but the reason like. Yeah, I remember whenever this came out, and then people were started kind of drawing a lot of comparisons to Toy Story and The Walking Dead. So for some reason, whenever I see Lotso, I almost kind of got like the governor kind of sense, kind of sense from him. If anybody's ever watched The Walking Dead, um, but no, it's uh, no, it's, it's like one of the better villains. Joseph, uh, you're all hurting me with saying it's your least favorite Toy Story movie, uh, but I this also is my favorite Toy Story villain. I think. Maybe even my favorite Pixar villain. I think that just because you're redoing something doesn't mean you can't improve upon it. I think that Lotso has a very... I I felt more for Lotso's backstory than I did for Sneaky Pete, even though I do like Toy Story 2 more than 3. But I think that ultimately really, really helps Toy Story 3 in its favor. And yeah, I really, really love this pick. It was also on my list. All right. Uh, Bowman, let's go to you for your next pick. Um, my next pick is... Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, I'll move out of Disney into Pixar. Uh, so and still I'm... Disney. We just did Pixar. <laughs> I'm saying for my pick, I'm moving out of Disney Animated into Pixar. Okay. So anyway, well, I, I thought you were saying out of what we just did. Like, we just of this room just got so. Cool. I was just very confused. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, Hercules. Uh, so my pick is uh, Syndrome from The Incredibles. Uh, yeah, I I love the character of Syndrome because you kind of have right. What if you take this? toxic nerd culture right what if you took like that and you made that a super villain and it was really ahead of its time because like that was like you look at really this is a character who has aged better with time because you see like the kind of toxic fan culture and really kind of how that you know moves on because you have kind of these like buddy you know is this kid who just kind of has inserted himself into someone's life and kind of become obsessed with them without really making any things, but it comes from a genuinely good place. It comes from 
wanting to be a hero and wanting to be special. And I think that's really fascinating. It's just another one of those kind of tragic characters who is just like really he wanted to be, he got rejected by his hero it's kind of like the opposite of Ernesto de la Cruz from Coco of he met his hero his hero for the right reasons rejected him though Mr. Incredible probably could have done it in a better way and then ultimately it caused him to have a real vendetta and I think that's fascinating and even when you look at his ultimate villain plan of he ultimately, he just wants to be a hero, right? Like, that's his ultimate goal. Obviously, he wants to step on Mr. Incredible's toes and his family on the way. But really, like, his it's not like he wants to blow up the world. He just wants to be recognized as a hero. Fascinating. Uh, Payson? No, uh, Syndrome is my favorite Pixar villain. Uh, he was one I considered for my second pick. And, uh, yeah, I think this is just such a great pick for a villain. Uh, he just has, like, a almost humorous yet sad, like, aura patheticness to him. Just, like, you see every, like, at the beginning you're like, oh, man, I honestly kind of feel bad for you. And then as it keeps going on, you're just like, man, okay, so how'd this guy get this much money to now I don't feel bad for you? But, like... Yeah, Jason Lee is so funny as the voice. Like, I cannot picture anyone except for that voice coming out of the character. Um, just the plot of, like, I'm just going to slightly destroy this city just so I can come in and um, save it, um, I think is just really good. Uh, yeah, I think this is a great pick. Yeah, it, it, it's a perfect movie and a, and a perfect villain. It, I agree um from the moment that like he shows up again it's another one that's like it, it's not super it, it doesn't come out of left field like you can kind of see it coming but that's okay because it works so well like all the motivations are so perfect and work really really great and like boatman said just the uh mr incredible absolutely could have handled it better and maybe we fix this situation um but also like it's a great learning moment for the family and for for bob as a character and uh but syndrome is is ruthless like murdered so many superheroes uh using the omnidroid i think that's what it's called right omnidroid that sounds right uh using the omnidroid to kill so many superheroes before mr incredible was able to stop it uh, and that it's it's fucking sinister. And the, then the way he literally just like straight up is like, hey, this plane with your entire family on it. Yeah, I'm going to blow it up because uh, fuck you. It's really intense for uh, for a kid's movie of its time. Now, again, obviously, there's stuff like um, Lion King and stuff before it that is also very intense. But when you're coming off the heels of some of the other Pixar stuff, villain wise this was this is intense and i love it uh brooklyn uh yeah incredibles is one of my favorite picks one of my favorite pixar movies i love the jason lee performance one of the more quotable ones like like he's very meta and that like oh like he caught like he caught me monologuing so like he's aware he's aware that like some of the stuff he's doing is cliche um if everyone's super then no one is uh is one that's always kind of stuck with stuck and it's it's weirdly philosophical but my favorite my favorite scene is whenever it's like after 
it's after, and they're knocking on the door for a new sitter, and Syndrome's there, and it's like, oh, I'm sitter. Um, I would have been babysitter, but BS kind of looks bad on the uh, looks bad on a uniform. So, yeah. Is that from the movie, or is that from the Jack Jack short? Am I crazy, is it, or is that that's from the DVD? Maybe that's from Jack Jack short. It is from the Jack Jack short. Yeah. Still a great moment. Yeah, your short, by the way. When we did the first triannual uh, Pixar thing and then never did another one, uh, we watched that short, and it was a, it was a good time. Uh, jo- uh, Joseph, this was not your pick, so yeah, talk about it. Yeah, this mo- this is my favorite Pixar movie. This is my second favorite Pixar villain, only behind Lotso, as aforementioned before. Uh, but yes, this is a villain that I appreciate more and more as I grow older because exactly like what Boatman is saying about that toxic fan base, it makes me really, really uh, wish that uh, Star Wars and other big fan bases don't go too far in murdering others. Hopefully not. Uh, but uh, well, did you see but, the new scream? So I mean. Hey. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Also, Jason Lee is the voice actor here, not Jason Statham. I've confused the two before. <laughs> imagine, Statham? imagine Statham as yeah. <laughs> everyone super, and no one will be. <laughs> Whoa! I'm and you got busy. I'm incredible. I'm incredible. I'm incredible. <laughs> you're, you're disrupting my flight power. Uh, okay, so uh, I can't go around with a big old BS, you know. <laughs> uh, Payson, let's go to you. Yeah, um, I'm going with one that, like, yes, is the villain of the movie, but you can also, like, say, like, this movie doesn't really have a villain because of the different points of view, and I really do. That's why I love this character. I'm going with, um, Lady Aboshi from Princess yes. okay. From what? Um, spelled Lady E B O S H I from Princess Mononoke. Gotcha. Okay. Uh Lady Aboshi is the leader of Iron Town. And um essentially Iron Town, they're this like new technologically like advanced like town, and they're sort of like expanding out into the forest. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously from this, from the main character, from one of the main characters' perspective, that being San, um, Lady Aboshi is obviously the antagonist and the villain. But when you really look at it from her, like, point of view, like, this is, this is human nature in in a sense. Like, this is like, if society is going to expand, they need to expand their land. And um, unfortunately, that is what, happens in real life when, when you look at stuff like the rainforest or when you look at other things but um if i'm being honest i think the lady aboshi character is honestly more interesting than son herself just from like look i don't i i get what i'm doing is is technically wrong but like i gotta help my people and i gotta go to war for those people so even when the wolf spirits start attacking her like she just has to defend her people and i um Prince Mononoke has never been one of my like absolute top tier favorite Ghibli movies, but um, this character is my favorite character in this movie. Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I was expecting I was expecting between J- Joseph or myself or one of us was going to bring up a Studio Ghibli movie, and I figured it was going to be Princess Mononoke. Um, yeah, I love the I love the sort of like charm and charisma 
charisma that, that she has, like very, uh, very menacing. Um, it's been a minute since I've seen it. Um, I agree that it's not like in my top tier of Studio Ghibli, but it is incredible. Go, sir. Again, you guys are hurting me uh, with the not top tier Ghibli. Uh, but uh, I rewatched this a few months ago, and it's for me, it's my personal favorite Ghibli movie. Also, I was between this and another Ghibli movie, Villain. I don't know if uh, it will be. I don't know if Brooklyn would uh, will pick it. But uh, yes, and thank you, thank you, thank you for picking this. Uh, I was very hopeful someone would pick it so that because i was between a few other options but yes i love exactly what payson was saying the complexity of this character she has her her very her very real motives of what she's doing and she's very uh convinced about what she is doing for her town but at the same time there's a surprising layer to her character that's introduced later on in the movie that I honestly was not expecting that honestly made me sympathize her a little bit with sympathize a little bit with her. And that, uh, yeah, I really love the layers that all these characters have, I think, in, in this movie. No one's a clear cut. Uh, they, they, they're all uh, characters with shades of gray, and that's what I that's one of the aspects I really, really love about this movie. Great pick, great pick. Thank you for picking it. Uh, I haven't seen this. I've been told I would love it, but I have not watched it. Yet. Cody, Cody loved, Cody liked this movie, surprisingly. Yeah, I, I think you'd like it. Then I would like it. Uh, Bowman. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. Like I, The way you know this is a good pick is I kind of forgot she was the villain. Like, in the sense of, yes, she is the villain of the movie, but she's such, like, an understandable villain. Like, this, it all, like, it almost feels like a true antagonist more than a villain, but it absolutely, she absolutely is the villain. But, like, she, she's just, she's trying to do what is best for her town. Like, it doesn't feel particularly malicious while she is doing terrible things and is kind of the cause of all this. So I think it's a, and I, she's also just a really charismatic character. Like you understand why people follow her because she's very likable. Mini Driver does an excellent job. I like this movie and I like that character a lot. I think, honestly, I think this character is my favorite thing in Princess Mononoke. I, I like her more than the two leads. I'll be honest. Yeah. Same. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn, we're on to you. All right. So whenever this topic came up, this is actually the first uh, first person that I thought of. Uh, we're going back to Pixar, and we're going with Darla uh, from Finding Nemo. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So we were talking about like complex villains and like deep backgrounds and stuff, and like sometimes I just need I like a psycho like a psychotic son of a bitch. Um, and Darla is very much is very much that. Like you when you look at them from the fish perspective, it's like fuck. Um, she's going to pick a fish and she's going to be impatient like every kid is and going to shake that thing to death and it's going to die and it's going to be a horrible, pain, horrible, painful death. But they just like how they introduce her with like those hitch, like the Hitchcock kind of strings and like she's very much like psycho. Um, but then like you meet her and her interactions with her uncle and it's just um, like she doesn't like, she, like she's just a kid or whatever. Like I'm a her on that there in the there in the Amazon. Um and yeah, and just like it's more, it's not so much how great she is, it's like how much you have to kind of avoid her and what is what would eventually happen, like if you get into her hands. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great way of showing, um, that like not necessarily 
giving things to kids is the is the best is the best thing because they're just gonna like I'm surprised the I'm surprised the like the dentist at some point is like hey like why don't we like put this fish away but they're like nope we're just gonna we're gonna massacre these things uh, but yeah <laughs> uh, Joseph I love this movie but I don't know I don't. Uh... Thank you, Nazario. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I feel. I feel like uh, exactly what what Brooklyn was saying about her being a kid. I don't. I don't know. I feel like. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't love her as a villain. I guess as the. I mean. I. I mean. Honestly, the broke the Barracuda at the beginning might have been. I don't know. I think the Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in between. I like uh I like the movie and I like what Brooklyn's saying about like Darla being like a, a obviously like a clear cut like evil <laughs> from, from the fish perspective. Uh but overall like yeah, I, I would not have picked this for this list, but I, I get it to an extent. Uh, Boatman. Yeah, I kind of what everyone said. I Here's the thing, right? You compare two child villains in Pixar movies, Darla isn't even doing anything remotely malicious from her perspective, right? From, a not, from her perspective, she's just really excited. Like, she's not doing anything bad she's just excited ever fish honestly the real villain here is the dentist who a kidnaps nemo b doesn't tell his niece to stop shaking the bag like <laughs> the problem is darla doesn't understand like and when the fishy starts to die no one explains it to darla like this is not darla's fault whatsoever Hashtag justice for Darla. Hashtag oh dentist are evil. Hashtag remember when that dentist killed that lion that one time? <laughs> what? Hashtag remember Cecil the Lion. Yes, yeah, Cecil the Lion. Killed by a lion. All right. Um, it's uh, it's been well knownly documented in uh, many studies that uh, millennials are having less kids than uh, other generations. Uh, I feel like this character might be the root of that issue. So uh thanks Pixar. If we have an underpopulated Is that true? The studies are true. The reason is complete BS on my part. Aren't there more people aren't there we getting more people on the planet every year than like I'm very confused as to why. Maybe I just found that from a weird source. I don't know. This is an interesting pick. It's an inspired pick Brooklyn good on you. Millennials are killing Darla. I want it to be known that Brooklyn picked Canada and Darla. <laughs> One thing, though, that I did read about is that after Finding Nemo was released, uh, sales shot up for clownfish. Oh, yeah. Apparently, a lot of people wanted clownfish for pets. Yes, thank you. And <laughs> went down. Also, okay, one thing. Co um. Co or Darla is not excited about that fish. Darla ex expects that fish to be a dog, and it's like, oh, come on, do something. So she's shaking it to try to like get it to try to like get it going. It's not excited. She she wants it to be a dog, and it's not a dog. 
clearly. <laughs> okay. Justice for Darla. Let's Joseph, go. you have an opportunity to make Cody Newberry very happy or yourself very happy. Which are you going to choose? Cody talks a lot, and he's not going to close the channel. So uh, this list has a lot of Disney movies, which I do appreciate, and Pixar. Uh, but I do want to add more variety to this list because I knew that people would consider Judge Claude Frollo or Syndrome or Lotso. So, uh, Cody, I'm going to call your bluff. The movie that I'm going with is a 2009 anime film called Summer Wars. This villain, Bowman's going to probably call me out about there's not being a lot of complexity to this villain. But in this movie. Oh, okay. So the villain that I'm referring to is a is an AI called it's an AI called Love Machine. And what happens in this movie is that a student is trying to pretend to be the boyfriend of a girl that he likes because she is visiting her family. And it's a huge family. It's a very, very big family reunion. They're being there for the birthday of the, her grandmother, and the he acts. The main character accidentally releases a virus to throughout the country of Japan, which uh, eventually is love machine. Uh, but this AI causes so much havoc. It uh, sabotages all electrical items and devices and systems from credit card systems, light uh, traffic light systems, phone things, and uh, also phone also phones and bank accounts. It creates massive havoc and massive mayhem. And the second half of this movie is basically the main character trying the main character and other people trying to find ways to crack down the virus in order to take it down and defeat it. And uh, they use this artificial uh, virtual reality world in order to try to fight it. They have these like avatar-like characters that they use and they build up skills for these characters to fight the, the love machine because the love machine is hacking everything and building itself up to be an unstoppable force and will try to also destroy Japan. And uh, it's it's it gets really bonkers at times, but I really really enjoy it. Uh, Cody, your move. Stop egging him on to do it. What are you doing, Joe? <laughs> um, I haven't seen this, so this sounds like something I would not enjoy. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. This I have happen. not. This does not sound like a Tim movie. Sorry, I'm eating. But you already it. played your hand. Payson, you got excited. Because uh, no, this is a movie I've really, really wanted to watch just because it sounds so interesting. Um, it's also from an anime director I've wanted to get more into. He did uh, Wolf Children, which I also hear is very good. But yeah, I have I have yet to see this movie. Haven't seen this. Haven't seen this either. But I. But I've also been kind of getting closer to anime. And from the way you're describing this film, it sounds like a much better version of Ultra. Uh, so you have yourself. Interesting. Um, okay, that's the list. Go on over to letterbox.com/slash/multiplex. Logged it. Hit like on that list. 
hit like on all the stuff we do on the page. Uh, and uh, now we're going to talk about the movie of the month, Train to Busan. Bowman, you talked about it. Joseph, I know you've talked about it. Payson, have you been here to talk about this one yet? I have not yet. So Payson, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so uh, I have not been able to finish this movie. I've watched about an hour of it. I am enjoying the movie. Uh, I'm not um, loving it. Once again, I'm only an hour in, so things could change. I'm not watching this on two times speed, so that's the reason why I couldn't uh, finish it. But uh, yeah, I, I did quite enjoy it. I do think the idea of setting like a zombie apocalypse in such like a confined space is really, really cool. Um, funny story, when I started watching this movie, I watched I, I went to go watch it on Peacock, and uh, they do not have the subtitled version. So they only have the overdubbed English version, and the voices are like, yo, man, I got to park here. I'm sorry, but this is only for the employees, dude. Oh, man, that sucks. It's incredible. If anyone has Peacock, just go watch, like, the first five minutes of this movie. You're my favorite customer. Okay, <laughs> nice job. It's so bad. The subtitled version is on Voodoo for free. Yes. <laughs> So go there to watch it. Um, I actually haven't talked about this yet because I haven't been here. But um, so I really liked it. Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, when it started, I was kind of like, okay, it's a zombie movie, like whatever. Like, but I found out really connecting to the family story. Um, by the end of it, I was really emotionally attached. There's a character in this movie that is a straight booty hole, just asshole of a human being that you just want to fucking punch in the face the whole goddamn movie. Um, so I and and it got a rise out of me. It it, it succeeded in making me uh, pissed. And if you know anything about the macaw, uh, she doesn't love reading subtitles. I turned it on and she said, you're making me watch a foreign film? And I said, yes. It has, it has zombies in it. And she said, okay, I'll reserve judgment. Uh, and she ended up really liking it too. But I thought the performances were all great. Um, Gilgamesh is in this movie. What's his name? Ooh, that's a good question. I, don't, I can't think of the actor's name. But um, he's in this. And I thought he was really great. Uh, and all of the zombie action and violence. Don Lee. Don Lee. Really great. With the zombie action and violence, I thought was incredibly well done. I hear the sequel kind of sucks, uh, so I'm not looking forward to watching that, but uh, this was fantastic. I loved this. Really glad it got voted for. Uh, Brooklyn, I know you said you haven't 100% seen the whole thing. Watching so, yeah, this is so, yeah, I'm two for two now on movies of the month that are not available on streaming services in Canada. Uh, so, I I just went back and watched some of the I've, some of the scenes that are available on Movie Clip. I like what I, I like what I've seen so far. Um, the zombies in this are incredible. I like, I agree. I, I think the claustrophobic setting of having them in a, having them in a train and being like, fuck, where are we gonna go? Like, we have to, we have to get to somewhere at some point. Um, I've learned that fast zombies are the scare are the scariest ones, yeah. and I like the like. I think it's an intentionally rushed in like the editing, how it's kind of like almost cho like almost choppy, but it's um, but it's great. Like um, that first scene um where like the, like where the where the woman's pop popping up and she's like she's like back towards like back all kind of arts up and then she she looks over 
Um, and all of them kind of have that like possessed, menacing look. And I think, it, yeah, I think this is going to be great. Hopefully, it's available somewhere. Okay. Bowman, what's coming up next week? Next week, we're doing summer blockbusters. Blockbusters in the summer. Good chance I won't be here, but Tim will be here. I will. And I'm looking right now. Um, it looks like we have. One, two, Payson, are you going to be there or are you not going to be there? Uh, I will get back to you on Friday. Okay, so far we've got Joseph coming up clutch again for that one. And we also have Jake Marangoni, maybe a Payson Johnson. So uh, if, if those happen, we'll need one more person. So one or two more people, if you're interested in being on Summer Blockbusters, message me or Boatman and we will, uh, we will get you uh, – on the show. Uh, to answer the question, I'm eating McDonald's. So currently I got a McDouble and I'm working my way through a McChicken. Uh, but crispy chicken BLTs are the best at McDonald's. That sounds interesting. Uh, so, like I said, next week, Summer Blockbusters. Uh, and then uh, Boatman and I should have the uh, May schedule out in the next week or so here, along with the poll for next month's movie of the month, something from the 2000s. So that'll be interesting. Uh, so that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, this has been a fun one and we will see you next week with the next episode. So until then, bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening.